But at this point, we've had seven total cases who have been hospitalized. A major retailer closed after an outbreak of Legionnaire's disease. The source of the infection finally revealed. Artificial intelligence that can diagnose your health problem. It's a very, very smart and evolving tool. How it's helping BC doctors make virtual house calls. And fatal fire. There were flames shooting out the front and then we heard glass breaking. Police investigate what went wrong in this South Vancouver home. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Two major health alerts for you tonight, both with wide-ranging implications. Fraser Health is warning about two different outbreaks, measles and Legionnaire's disease. Jill Bennett has the details, and Jill will start with Legionnaire's closing a major retailer. Chris Fraser Health has confirmed an outbreak of Legionnaire's disease appears to have originated in Surrey's largest shopping mall and one of the biggest B.C. Walmart stores. Tests have confirmed that the Legionella bacteria was found in the cooling towers of the air conditioning units at the Guilford Town Centre Mall and the adjoining Walmart. A cluster of Legionnaire's was detected a few days ago, and Fraser Health says there have been seven confirmed cases so far. Those people have been hospitalized. The mall is open, but the Walmart store was closed today. Fraser Health is stressing not everyone is at risk here. People who develop Legionnaire's disease are typically people who um, have underlying risk factors. Things like uh, having Im- being immunocompromised, having chronic lung conditions, uh, being elderly or smokers. And for these individuals, they may develop a pneumonia and they develop typical symptoms of pneumonia. Those can include cough, fever, shortness of breath, uh, fatigue, as well as abdominal pain or muscle aches. Guilford Mall and Walmart now undergoing a deep cleaning to eliminate the Legionella bacteria from the air conditioning. Fraser Health is still investigating to find out if there are any cases of Legionnaires that are not linked to these seven cases. At this point, though, they have no more details on that. They also stress that Legionnaires disease cannot be passed from person to person. Chris? It's still troubling for anybody who shopped there. So, Jill, okay, let's talk about the other alert now. This one about a measles outbreak. With patient zero, they believe a young traveler and possibly exposing many other people. Chris, this one also involves a secondary school as well as BC Ferries. Fraser Health says a person with infectious measles was on the Tawasin to Main Island 7 p.m. sailing last Friday. That person also visited a pub on Saturna Island this past Monday. And they say the outbreak is also tied to a measles alert at Maple Ridge Secondary School. Someone on the 7 p.m. sailing from Tawasin to Main Island the Friday of the long weekend was contagious with measles, and the footprint gets bigger from there. We can link this case back to the uh, YVR and cruise terminal exposure the, earlier this summer. While on the southern Gulf Islands, Fraser Health says it's believed the infected person visited the Saturna Lighthouse pub on Saturna Island. That took place on Monday, September 3rd, between 5.30 and 7 p.m. Once exposed to measles, if you become infected, symptoms may not develop for up to three weeks. Measles is highly contagious. Symptoms include fever, cough, runny nose and red eyes, followed by a rash starting centrally, including on the face. That spreads to the limbs and lasts at least three days. 
The person in question is also the case confirmed at Maple Ridge Secondary on Tuesday. The school held a vaccination clinic Friday for anyone who isn't protected against the disease. We estimated that maybe 20 percent of, of students may not know their vaccine status. Um, it is quite common that people simply don't recall or have the, the records available to um, verify their, their vaccine status. Now, if you are someone who is unsure about your vaccination record and you can't find those numbers, Fraser Health says there is no negative impact to getting the vaccine again, even if you've already had it at some point. Uh, it is possible you could get some mild inflammation at the site of the injection, but nothing worse than that. Chris? All right, Jill, thanks very much. Now, some breaking details in a fatal fire in Vancouver's Dunbar Southlands neighborhood today. Global's Sarah McDonald is live in Vancouver. And Sarah, the VPD's Major Crimes Division was on scene for a little bit today, but there's been a change in the past half hour or so. That's right, Chris. This was still very much an active scene until a few minutes ago. The Major Crimes Unit was on scene until this afternoon. They told us to expect an update by airtime uh, from the Vancouver Police tonight. Uh, on this case, we have since gotten one from the Vancouver Fire Department. Instead, investigators telling us they have no reason to believe this fatal house fire was not accidental tonight. Take a look at the scene here earlier today. The house on South Vancouver's Musqueam Reserve lands went up in flames in a matter of minutes Friday, quickly exploding to a two-alarm fire that also put nearby homes at risk. And then I was pounding on the door to the lady next door because it's so close to her house, I thought for sure it was going to catch on fire. Rob Cudmore works as a contractor for the neighboring homeowner who provided Global News with this dramatic video. Good Samaritans rushing to the scene with cameras rolling as flames first broke out. It was really thick black smoke and then, and then uh, soon after that there were flames shooting out the front and then we heard glass breaking. Fire investigators confirming hours later one person inside never made it out alive. Crews unaware the house was even occupied when they first arrived on scene. There was nobody on scene to uh, pass on that information. Our crews did do a, a, a primary search and at that time located the uh, deceased. But the circumstances surrounding this fatal fire are still unclear. Vancouver police working alongside investigators to determine a cause. With those on scene at the first sign of smoke, suspicious of the circumstances. I heard the sirens going off inside the house, so the fire detector was going off like crazy. He would have had enough time to get out. He would have known that there was, so I suspect that he was probably unconscious or not aware of the fire at the time. One cat inside the house was also killed, though this occupant did survive. This elderly and blind family pet pulled to safety by rescuers. The dog's owners arriving home to find their house behind police tape and severely damaged by flames. And uh, Chris, we can tell you uh, that investigators were not elaborating tonight even uh, on whether that victim was male or female. Uh, but those registered home owners of that home uh, have since returned home with their elderly surviving dog. That police tape, of course, uh, is no longer up. But Chris, this is certainly a case we'll be keeping tabs on throughout the weekend. Sounds like more information uh, forthcoming for sure. Thanks very much, Sarah. Mm -hmm. Well, the countdown begins for a controversial tent city in Saanich. A Supreme Court judge is giving the people living there less than a week to vacate. Richard Zussman is in Saanich with the details tonight. And Richard, what are the chances the occupants will obey the injunction? The courts have determined now, Chris, that move-out day here will be next Tuesday, September 11th. 
The question is whether the people that live at this Santa Chomas camp will actually leave. They have been here since April. The courts determined today that there are significant risks, especially around the possibility of fires, and that's why they have ordered that people must leave this Saanich Park. But those that live here say they haven't yet decided about whether they're going to go or not. I think that there are, I think there are options whether or not people are still there at 7 o'clock will be things that individuals need to make. The city of Saanich is hoping that they will leave voluntarily. They say they will provide uh, support during move-out day, but wouldn't provide any more specifics about whether there are actually homes for these homeless people to go to after the camp is closed. Saanich will treat the vulnerable persons vacating the park with dignity and care throughout the decampment process. Saanich's Parks and Management Control Bylaw allows temporary overnight shelter in 102 of Saanich's 172 parks from the hours of 7 p.m. to 9 a.m. The court also ordered that this park must be restored back to its original state by the time they leave on Tuesday. Chris? All right, Richard, thank you very much. And on the topic of affordable housing, a lot of talk about this tonight. Some B.C. renters could face the largest rent increases in more than a decade next year. B.C.'s residential tenancy branch setting its maximum allowable rent increases for 2019. And Keith Baldry is in Victoria now with the details. Keith, this won't be welcome news for a lot of people. No, very grim news for a lot of people, Chris. Uh, th these increases are, are really not announced. They just happen to be posted on the government website very quietly every, every September. Uh, it's factored by 2% uh, is the base, and then you add the inflation rate in, on top of that. In this case, inflation is starting to creep up, and it's becoming a very serious issue. Take a look at these scenarios. If you are paying rent $900 a month starting next year, if your landlord increases the maximum, that's going to cost you $486 through the course of the year in terms of an increase. And of course, the money just keeps piling up. $1,200 That's uh, is your rent. $648 is your bill through the entire year. And if you pay $2,000, not uncommon uh, in Metro Vancouver by any means, uh, we're talking a, an, inc an annual increase of $1,080 over the course of the year. Uh, these rent increases starting to pile up, Chris. And I think this is going to reach crisis levels for a number of people. And we'll see how the NDP responds to this uh, in the coming months. I think you're going to hear a lot about this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, tough to come up with the extra money for a lot of people. But uh uh, on the topic of extra money, this comes on the same day the NDP government released its first quarterly report mm -hmm. for this year on BC's finances. And, well, you explain what it looks like so far. Well, so far, it's, it's pretty good. If you're Carol James, I think you've got to be happy with the numbers you see in this uh, quarterly financial report. The surplus is now on track to be uh, $450 million more than she budgeted back in uh, February. But there's been some number of changes on a couple of fronts. Just want to pick a couple of them uh, to show you what, in terms of what the changes from February. First of all, spending is up one, close to $1.2 billion than it had been forecast, primarily because of those huge wildfire costs and floods and a big uptake in the film industry, taking advantage of some film tax credits. And as we've been talking and speculating for some time, Chris, the slowdown in the housing market is costing the government big time. $250 million less in property transfer tax revenues in this year, $950 million over the course of three years. So a uh, big hit on the housing side for Carol James, the NDP budget. But uh, other than that, the numbers are looking pretty positive for her in her first budget in first full fiscal year. Chris. All right, Keith, thanks very much. Enjoy the weekend. You too. Thousands of British Columbians could be walking around with hep C and not know it. So tonight, baby boomers are being warned to get tested because they're at greatest risk. 
The disease can go undiagnosed for years, but as Nadia Stewart explains, it's never been easier than now to detect and treat. The screening test only requires 20 minutes. It is the latest tool to tackle a largely undetected problem when having a big impact on a generation of British Columbians. 75% of persons who have hepatitis C are actually baby boomers. If someone is born between 1945 and 1975, they should get tested for hepatitis C. There's now a big push for people to get this small finger prick, particularly boomers and those born outside of North America and Western Europe. It's part of a new program to help those unknowingly living with the virus before it's too late. Even if a person has hep C, they may not have any symptoms whatsoever. Hepatitis C is a virus that attacks the liver. Many people recover from the curable illness, but left undetected, it can lead to serious complications. This is great. Daryl yeah, Luster did didn't know he did had too. the virus until persistent it, symptoms led doctors to probe further. Finally, I was hospitalized, and that led to them wanting to do a, a hernia repair. And as I was prepping for the hernia repair surgery, uh, they discovered a problem, and that led to a diagnosis, quite by accident, really. Both Luster and Dr. Ramji hope this screening eventually becomes a regular test at the doctor's office. I have called for that for, for a long time. We should be doing it just as we are for cancers such as breast cancer, suggesting mammograms or prostate checks or the colon check. Until then, this pilot program will be available at five London drug stores in Metro Vancouver. It costs $24 to take the test. The aim is to make it accessible, anonymous, and, and free of stigma. Nadia Stork, Global News. He's back in the game. Barack Obama jumps into the discussion about American politics with a warning to voters and a message to Donald Trump later on the news hour. And the Canucks owners just bought a professional esports team. How it could lead to a new kind of scholarship for post-secondary students later. Right now, though, a NewsHour follow-up tonight to our story about jet boats threatening spawning salmon in the Pitt River. The federal government has officially responded to critics who say the boats are decimating salmon stock. But as Linda Aylesworth reports, the DFO is in no rush to stop it. We introduced you to Danny Garrick Thursday. He runs a lodge on the upper Pitt River, where spawning salmon are being threatened by jet boats. Jet boats are going over and they're killing the eggs. They're killing the fry. And uh, this river needs to be shut down. The negative effects on these fish, which include sockeye and chinook, whose populations are struggling, is well documented. I just had two jet boats drive by me on the upper Pitt River. Jet boats can be very disruptive for salmon. They impose stress on fish, they can reduce spawning success rates, and they can dislodge salmon eggs. Mark Angelo, founder of World Rivers Day, says the problem isn't new, but that it's rapidly getting worse. New technology and design now allows jet boats to move upriver in very low water so they can get to environmentally sensitive areas that they couldn't reach before. Over the last five years, I've noticed a, a significant increase in jet boat traffic. Federal Fisheries and Oceans critic Finn Donnelly says he's written letters to DFO and Transport Canada about protecting spawning streams from jet boats. DFO has the authority to do that today. And why aren't they? Well, it's, it's always it comes down to politics. Well, the DFO certainly has a role, but also they can influence Transport Canada, who has the authority to restrict motorboat type, speed, and engine power on waterways. The federal government's response? 
DFO fishery officers promote education and stewardship to encourage the voluntary use of best practices so that the public and boaters are aware of potential impacts to the river and the resources we all share. Not much comfort to Danny, considering the conversations he's had with fishery officers. We know all about jet boats. They say, we use them on the river, we're going to keep using them on the river. I think the government has to act to protect the Upper Pitt River and its salmon stocks. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. A brand new music festival kicks off tonight at Stanley Park. Thousands are expected to, to take in Skookum Festival over the next three days, catching top acts like The Killers and Florence and the Machine. But with the failure of many other music festivals, some might be wondering if Skookum can succeed. Here's Aaron MacArthur. It's a mad dash to get it all just so. Stages, VIP areas, beer gardens, a lot of moving parts setting up for a festival. Being that this is Skookum's inaugural year, it all has to be perfect. We've been on site for two weeks now putting this all together, so it's, uh, there's literally hundreds of people here. Complex and expensive to run, festivals a precarious business model. In BC, a long list of festivals that have folded. Pemberton and Squamish come to mind, but there have been others. Skookum's difference could be in its location. The model that we're looking at here is a city-based festival, so no camping, you know, no extraordinary travel and lodging and transportation costs to be out of the region. And those ultimately are, are the things that drag down some of these festivals. Balancing between huge headliners like Florence and the Machine or the Killers and some local acts, everything is set for a great weekend of entertainment. This lineup took three and a half years to get on stage. Permits for the park have been a process. There's a lot of work that's been put into preserving the fields, uh, making sure that the park as a whole is secured so that everybody has a great weekend and the park uh, is in good condition when everything is done. The weather likely won't cooperate, but what's a festival without a little mud? Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Startling video of the right-wing candidate in Brazil's presidential race being stabbed while on supporters' shoulders at a campaign event. Jair Bolsonaro suffered serious abdominal injuries, but is in stable condition and recovering. His assailant was arrested. He's a controversial figure who has enraged many with divisive comments, including supporting the country's military dictatorship but he has a devout following among conservative voters in Brazil. And in the U.S., former U.S. President Barack Obama breaking with tradition today and issuing a stinging public indictment of his successor, blasting President Donald Trump and his policies. But Trump is pushing back as both of them gear up for the crucial midterm elections. NBC's Kristen Welker reports. Tonight, an epic clash between bitter rivals, the president and his predecessor. You need to vote because our democracy depends on it. Isn't this much more exciting than listening to President Obama? In Illinois, former President Obama coming off the sidelines for the first time since leaving office and taking on President Trump by name. It did not start with Donald Trump. He is a symptom not the cause. Rebuking a brand of politics he says is steeped in fear and division. Mr. Trump responding in North Dakota. I watched it, but I fell asleep. <laughs> I found he's very good. Very good for 
sleeping. The two leaders have been adversaries since Mr. Trump launched his political career by questioning whether Obama, the nation's first African-American president, was born in the U.S. A feud Mr. Obama revived today. The politics of division and resentment and paranoia has unfortunately found a home in the Republican Party. And he excoriated Mr. Trump for his controversial response to last year's white nationalist rally in Charlottesville. We're supposed to stand up to discrimination. And we're sure as heck supposed to stand up clearly and unequivocally to Nazi sympathizers. Mr. Obama casting this election as much larger than one man. The stakes really are higher. The consequences of any of us sitting on the sidelines are more dire. Mr. Trump making the midterms a referendum on his own future. They'll say, we want to impeach him, and you'll impeach him. It's so ridiculous. But worry about that if it ever happens. But if it does happen, it's your fault because you didn't go out to vote. Two presidents fighting for the midterms and America's future. Kristen Welker, NBC News, the White House. In Health Matters tonight, more and more people are turning to the Internet to help diagnose a medical problem. But a new app from TELUS Health takes it to the next level using artificial intelligence that could set you up with a virtual house call with a doctor. Jennifer Palma has more on how this is supposed to work. Being ill is difficult enough, but accessing medical services can be just as inconvenient. It's a modern way to access healthcare on what else but your phone. TELUS is partnering with Babylon to create an app similar to this one to help diagnose what ills you. Seven days a week, 12 hours a day. The Babylon by TELUS Health Service is really trying to make access better for Canadians and offer them a more timely and convenient way to access uh, healthcare services. The app will be free to download. You type in your symptoms and the artificial intelligence powering it asks you a series of questions to help determine your needs. It can then book you an appointment with a licensed Canadian healthcare provider that you can have a video chat with. I would try it, sure. It'll I've certainly been sick enough in my life where I, you know, I didn't want to go and make that 10-minute you know, drive into the clinic and sit there when I, you know, I'm on my deathbed. I have a family doctor, yes, but I know that they're hard to come by in BC. So, yeah, it would be a good way to kind of free up the walk-in clinics. Five million Canadians don't have access to a doctor, making telemedicine a growing sector. Oh, they sound very clear today. The virtual visit costs about $35 and will be paid by the province of B.C. The president of Doctors of B.C. says it has the potential to enhance care. The important thing will be is how do we support both doctors and patients to access these technologies and how do we allow it to fit in to the flow of, of their work days and their personal lives. Unlike traditional healthcare, we're constantly introducing new and better features. We contacted the province and the need. College of Physicians and Surgeons. Neither responded. The app will launch later this year and BC will be the first province to have access. Jennifer Palma, Global News. A major new acquisition for the Vancouver Canucks owners, but you won't see it on the ice. We'll have that story right after the forecast with Yvonne Schell, who is out in Stanley Park for what's going to be, at least the organizers hope, a huge event, Skookum Fest. And uh, how's the weather out there tonight, Yvonne? 
It's just starting to rain a bit, uh, spotty showers right now, but be prepared because it is going to be wet over the weekend and very important. Uh, no umbrellas are allowed at the festival, so make sure you grab your rain gear, you've got some sort of hood, and try and stay dry for the weekend. Let's get to the forecast and what we can anticipate, and then we'll have more on the festival in just a moment. Here's a look at the radar, satellite and radar. We've got that push of moisture. It's going to continue this evening and overnight. Most areas should let up with a bit of a break in between systems, and that'll be for the morning hours tomorrow. A glance at some of the numbers and what we did see for today. We were up to 19 degrees as the high out of the airport and most areas it was significantly cooler in comparison to the heat that we saw yesterday. Hope today up to 23 degrees in areas near Abbotsford up to 21. Satellite and radar a few active spots also into the central interior over the past few hours we've seen some lightning strikes. It should ease off and tomorrow it'll just be a chance of showers. The heaviest rain will still be along the coast and then push in it'll be late for the evening hours tomorrow and for your Sunday for the interior sections that will see the bulk of the moisture and a wetter day. The wettest day across the south coast will be on Sunday. A range between 10 and up to 15 millimeters for most areas and higher amounts for the western sections of the island. A chance of showers along the coast similar for inland sections. Interior sections it'll be dry for the morning hours. An increase in cloud cover. More rainfall will push in on your Sunday and the south coast. Rain will be heavy at times but it'll be on Sunday tomorrow. A few breaks will be for the morning hours and that next system starts to push in but it'll likely be by the evening hours on our Saturday and leading in towards our Sunday. So be prepared. It'll be wet and quite windy for areas near the water on our Sunday. I'm joined by Drew Young. You're the art curator here at Skookum. Uh, great event so far. People are just starting to file in. Talk about there's two different types of art installations that are here and what are they? Yeah, so we're doing a pseudo-interactive art installation in the tree line here. We've got an engineer by the name of Tim Rolls doing a sound-activated LED transformation of the trees. And then, of course, we've got this massive art pavilion behind us where we've got, uh, I'd probably say, a couple thousand square feet of murals going up featuring 13 local artists. Excellent. And there's also Indigenous artists that are participating. And who are they here at Skookum? Yeah, of course. Well, we've got Michelle Mahaney, who's on the top deck, and she's designed sort of like a colonialization meets snakes and ladders game, and it's a 10-foot vertical uh, snakes and ladders board game. Uh, we have Zach George who's painting a mural on the ground level. And then, of course, we have Deborah Sparrow, who's been, we've been working closely with to integrate some of her weaving designs and execute it with some of the best typographers and figurative painters in the city. Excellent. Well, they're beautiful pieces, exciting stuff for people to check out. It'll be here all weekend long. Is that correct? Certainly will. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time. And once again, Chris, if you're planning on heading down, uh, be prepared for some wet weather. No umbrellas are allowed at the festival, so you'll want to grab your rain gear. Chris? No doubt. It's going to be fun down there. Thanks very much, Yvonne, and good luck to the organizers. Squire is here right now because he broke oh, yeah. the story. Oh, wait a minute. Look at my shirt and my jacket. You're all over the map. There we go. I'm, uh, I'm much not less disheveled now. Go. Sorry. You, well, I was just going to say, you confirmed this story. Uh, the Canucks, or the, at least the Aquilini family, going from hockey sticks to joysticks. <laughs> the company behind the Vancouver Canucks confirms it's bought that new professional eSports team. John Waugh has more before we get to Squire about why this latest acquisition will have an impact far beyond Rogers Arena. They practice up to 10 hours a week, have a team manager and dedicated coach. We watch them and criticize and see how we can improve. Many members of UBC's Esports Association have dreams of making it pro. Now that hope just got a lot closer to home. 
as an owner of an NHL team and an owner of a big facility like Rogers Arena, the Aquilini family felt it was important to, to find a way to to get involved in the esports space. Oh, it's a stick! The owners of the Vancouver Canucks getting a coveted expansion team in the Overwatch League. A shift from Blades on Ice to Battle Royales, bringing in a massive new fan base. We're going to play home games at a certain point in the future, hopefully in the Rogers Arena, and we're going to develop and activate this fantastic fan base. People already spent 160 million hours last season watching Overwatch players compete. Seeing the pros represent their city in person, not a hard sell. To be able to watch them at the Rogers Arena, like on a more professional sports like scene, it's, it just seems unreal to be able to see them play there. It will also be a boost for local esports businesses. The gaming stadium set to open next year hopes to become a feeder league for Vancouver's team. It gets more eyeballs on the league, it gets more eyeballs on Vancouver, and what that does, it gets more eyeballs on us at the gaming stadium. Carpet looking to end this. Like any sport, the team building is set to begin, with free agency players up for grabs starting this weekend. Players are on a year-to-year -year contract. Those contracts start at $50,000 minimum and go up from there. With a roster that can include players from anywhere in the world, there's already hype of how Vancouver's team will turn out. Just because they're local, they're going to be cheered on by the local fans. John Hua, Global News. You can't, you can't just anoint a nickname. You can't anoint the a Swedish nickname. Duo. No, no. Let's wait. Let's wait till they both make the team. First. That's a very good point. That's the start. Uh, Elias Pedersen and the rest of the Canucks kids will take on Winnipeg's young stars tonight in Penticton. Uh, Pedersen is going to start on a line with the aforementioned Jonathan Dahlin, his Swedish pal, and Cole Lind, who of course played in Kelowna with the Rockets. Adam Gaudet, who played a bit with the Canucks at the end of the season, will be out there tonight. Ole Olevi on the blue line, Michael DiPietro in goal. But really, this tournament and the upcoming Canucks training camp next week, you will see extra attention on three, three of those kids we just mentioned. These three young Europeans will have a big say in the Canucks' rebuild. Finnish defenseman Ole Ulevi and Swedish forwards Jonathan Dahlin and Elias Pettersson. Pettersson, who turns 20 in November, dominated the Swedish Elite League last season, winning the league scoring title, the championship trophy and playoff MVP. He did it all and with flair. But at 6 foot 2, 160 pounds, can he bring that game over to the smaller North American ice? I'm small, that's that's not a secret, so I need to, I can become better at everything, but I need to become better at puck protection and to get quicker. The smaller ice is always an adjustment for Europeans, especially those who like to hang on to the puck. The time and space just isn't there in the NHL game. It's playing, uh, playing faster and, uh, and skating harder and uh, working, working really hard, I guess. Uh, you have to play a lot faster, I guess that's the main thing. Of course, everything happens more, more quickly and you've got to be ready every, all the time when you're on the ice and there's, really, there's no, no time to like, stop and see, you've got to go all the time. It's one of many adjustments for this group of highly skilled prospects, but the Canucks are counting on them to catch on to the North American game and do it quickly. Pedersen figures to jump right in with a significant role this season. The other two will likely need some minor league time, but their path to the Canucks is officially underway. Barry DeLay, Global Sports.
Yesterday, Marvin Ebnis, the uh, former Premiership League player, uh, signed on with the Vancouver Whitecaps for the rest of this year and possibly next year if the Caps wish to pick up the option. It's really a no-risk move for Vancouver because if he doesn't show them anything down the stretch, they'll just let him go at season's end. But with Alfonso Davies leaving for Germany in January, Ebnis might be the guy who replaces his speed because that appears to be the biggest asset of Ebnis. Um, he's quick. Uh, he's got nimble movement. His feet are always on on the move. He tries to get his the ball out of his feet and get his shots off very quickly. And he understands the game. You know, you see that today in training. He'll, he'll be a good addition to us. Now I know tonight's game between the Lions and Ottawa is only game ten of eighteen for BC. But you would have to say this is about as close to a mid-season must-win as you will get. BC is three and six. Lose this one. And you might be past the point of no return as far as the playoffs are concerned. To help the Lions turn things around in the second half, it looks like they're very close to bringing in some veteran help. The guy who scored this long touchdown in last year's snowbound Grey Cup game could soon be a BC Lion. Wide receiver Devere Posey, close to officially signing with BC, failed to make Baltimore and Buffalo in the NFL this year. He played two years with the Argos. Before that, he was a member of the Houston Texans because he was a third-round draft pick of theirs. Got good hands, and with Manny Arsenal out right now, the Lions need a good receiver, and they need it fast. So on the surface, this is a good move for the BC Lions. U.S. Open, and that's the uh, troubled knee of Rafael Nadal against Juan Martin Del Potro. Del Potro actually won the U.S. Open in 2009. This is a big backhand winner for him, but as this match went along, the knee of Nadal's kept breaking down and breaking down until finally after two sets and he was down two sets to love he said there's no point going any further so Nadal is out partially because of his own body and Del Potro will play Djokovic in the final then it allowed Tiger to was the leader with. along with Rory McIlroy after round one so of the BMW championship after hitting a minus eight uh, yesterday today he couldn't really hit anything I mean, that's nice. He made birdie there. But his last two holes, bogey, bogey. Example Y. Uh-huh. Tied for 12th right now, minus 8. Justin Rose. Had a better day than Tiger. This is 59 feet between him and the hole. This monster putt down over the Uh-huh. Gets on the off ramp and gets home. 58. Xander Shoffley, with other history here, the who won the FedEx. 11. Another birdie try for Xander Shoffley. The leader by three. Last year, sinks the 42-footer for Bird, leads at 13-under. That's two better than Rose, and five up on Tiger. Adam Hadwin is two under. And we aren't the only ones with much love for Nat Bailey Stadium. The Canadian's home has been ranked as the eighth best ballpark in minor league baseball in all of North America. That includes 160 parks. That's a move up in the rankings from last year when we were ranked the 14th best by StadiumJourney.com. There you go. What are the seven stadiums that are better? I don't know. I'd like to see them. It's ridiculous. That's right. Here's Jay Durant now with a preview of Global News at 11. Jay? Thank you, Chris. A Calgary man found not criminally responsible for the worst mass killing in the city's history is looking for more freedom at the hospital where he was housed. We'll have a reaction from the families of his victims. Plus, a year-and-a-half-long dispute between West Vancouver and CN Rail over the use of the district's popular seawall may soon be over. 
The railway launched a lawsuit last year looking to limit access to the seawalk and seek millions in compensation. We'll tell you what the two sides have now agreed to. Those stories and more when you join us tonight at 11, Chris. All right, Jay, thank you very much. And Squire is up next with satellite debris. But first, here's Kasia Badurka with five more things to do this weekend. Kasia? Yep, a lot of festivals going on this weekend, so take your pick. In no particular order here, let's start in North Vancouver, where everyone becomes Polish for a day. The sixth annual Polish festival will have you doing the polka, eating pierogies, and delighting in live performances. And if you go, you'll likely find me at the pierogi table. Four-time Grammy Award-winning Sam Smith is coming to Vancouver. You'll want to go and stay with him. He is the only one, after all, who scored two Guinness World Records for a success with his James Bond track. Let the fall fairs begin, and to kick off the season right, check out the Campbell Valley Country Celebration. Get lost in the giant straw maze, indulge in country fair goodies, and enjoy a range of musicians and entertainers and a visit with farm animals. When salmon return to North Shore rivers and streams, the Coho Festival is on. An annual tradition and fun for all with live entertainment and the famous salmon barbecue are on the bill at Ambleside Park. And now for fans of live theater. It's that time again for Vancouver Fringe Festival, an 11-day event attracting tens of thousands each year and voted to be one of the city's top arts festivals. For more, head to globalnews.ca slash five things. Five Things to Do is brought to you by BCAA. Get a BCAA membership and save with our many partners. Plus, get the best roadside assistance. Coming up on ET Canada, Julie Roberts and Steve Carell lead our TIFF red carpet coverage. Plus, Chris Pine on the pressures of playing a legendary Scottish king. That's coming up at 7, right after news hour. Back to you, Chris. All right, Matt, thank you very much. Quick correction from Squire. Yeah, I thought, I, I think maybe I said Vander Shoffley won the FedEx. He won the last event of the FedEx last year, but Justin Thomas won the FedEx Cup. Okay, now satellite debris. Let's begin. Dozeki's not the most interesting man in the world, but this instead. When out with friends, you could tell the truth or a better version of it. Just ask Dozeki's, the beer Mexico's astronauts left on the moon. Yep, still there. Aged for 400 years deep within Mount Cerveza. And the only beer to escape Alcatraz and survive. Maybe that's why we're the one beer on draft in Dan Marino's Dan Cave. Woo! Dos Equis. Keep it interessante. This summer, the folks who brought you Dos Equis and Cinco Equis bring you even moss. Ah, oh, that's awesome. Wait, what? It's not Cinco, not Ocho, not Diez, not Cincuenta. It's Noventa y Cuatro X. Oh, f***. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Ooh. Yeah! Yeah, no. That's too much X. It's, it's, it's hurting my lower back. <laughs> Noventa y Cuatro X. Way too much X. Seriously, should not be consumed by one person or anyone really. That's good. I love that. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, we lost Burt Reynolds uh, yesterday. Yes. But Burt Reynolds was a part of Satellite Debris and part of a Super Bowl ad way back in 2005, I believe. Let's relive. FedEx is determined to have the best commercial on the Super Bowl. So we studied recent Super Bowl commercials, and we believe there are 10 items needed to finish on top.
could dance! Sorry, Mr. Reynolds. Hey, that, that bear, bear can talk. FedEx, the most reliable way to send your package. Don't stop believing. I love dudes smoking the bandit. Who didn't? I know, it was mm -hmm. great, and so was the talking bear. Ho! Oh. Um, we've used uh, commercials over the years from Central Be Here. I think it's from the Netherlands. It's an insurance company. This time they use Hulk Hogan in the ad. Here we go. You're in trouble. Pythons are around your neck. <laughs> There's not much you can do, except throw down to Yvonne at Skookum Fest, where no umbrellas are allowed, Yvonne. Good, good uh, warning. <laughs> yeah, so be prepared if you are planning on coming down. It'll be wet though throughout the weekend, on and off rain, with the heaviest rain on Sunday. And some of the headliners will include Florence and the Machine and the Killers. Uh, more information is on their website at Skookum as well. Uh, yes, the rain, and you can't bring your umbrellas. All right, enjoy Skookum Fest. Uh, luxury supercar weekend. And on Monday, the CKNW Kids Fund inaugural charity fundraising golf tournament. We're hoping for good weather for all of it. Have a great weekend.